Now, it's CSL, Charlotte Sports Live. Well, as the Panthers seek out a second round interview for their next head coach, a new element will be added to those exclusive meetings inside the bank. Plus, what a time to be alive in the state of Michigan. First, the Wolverines win the national title, and now the Detroit Lions are trying to get their hands on the Lombardi Trophy. All that action and all the updates can be found right here inside Charlotte Sports Live tonight. I'm Carla Gebhardt alongside Grace Grill, and you get us for a whole hour tonight. And you get Mike Lissette as well, who will be along with us shortly. And on top of the NFL action and headlines, we'll get to the Hornets, college basketball, and all the big stories from the week, including the NASCAR Hall of Fame ceremony. But first, Tomorrow's a big day for the Carolina Panthers. Yes, that it is. And uh, we are seeing, or today we actually saw reports of who Carolina is going to bring in for those round two interviews. This time, though, it's going to be in person. The NFL Network's Tom Pelissero says current Panthers defensive coordinator Ajero Vero is first up tomorrow. Averro is also getting a second interview with the Seahawks and the Falcons, so the Panthers not alone in that quest. And then Pelissero also reporting that the Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan We'll get an in-person interview with Carolina sometime this week. Now, here's a look at all the candidates. In case you forgot that the Panthers have requested interviews with, that's 12 in total. Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson is really the only one on the list who has not met with the Carolina brass just yet. All right, going off that list, one of the coaching candidates seems to be gaining attention across the league as of recent. Mike Lissette joining us now with more on a current up-and-coming offensive coordinator, right, Mike? Yeah, earlier this week I saw an ESPN insider predict that the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers would be Brian Callahan. While he not may not be the biggest big-name hire out there, Callahan has a resume and a background that makes him more than qualified for the position. While other kids his age were playing with action figures, it's likely Brian Callahan was already busy trying to understand play action. Find different ways to exploit those matchups and secondary structures and all that. That's what happens when you're the son of a football coach. Brian's dad, Bill, was the former head man of the Oakland Raiders, leading them to a Super Bowl appearance in 2003. Now, 21 years later, his 39-year-old son appears to be on the verge of taking the next step in his career. The passing game is, has become the, the focal point. It's what put Callahan on the map as the mastermind behind the Bengals' offense. Touchdown! Though Cincinnati took a step back this year due to injuries, the team finished in the top 10 in points and yards the previous season and has proven to be a force since Callahan joined the squad in 2019 as the offensive coordinator. Do you want guys that can that show the ability on tape to, to hit home runs? One guy that definitely does is his quarterback, Joe Burrow. Granted, Callahan alone wasn't responsible for Burrow's success, but you can't deny that he played a part. Seeing how Callahan was a quarterback himself, it's clear he knows all the little tricks. It's an advantage, you know, and, and our league is, is made up of minuscule advantages as best you can find them, and, and that's certainly going to be one of them. Granted, he'll have a different roster at his disposal, but should Callahan come to Carolina, he'll have another top pick to work with. And make no mistake, this one will be just as hungry to succeed. And Callahan also has second interviews coming up with the Titans and the Falcons. The general consensus around the league is that he will be a head coach somewhere. If it's in Carolina, I, I think it's a good hire. Yeah, I mean, I You're think... You're looking at me like I'm crazy. No, well, I you, just... You had that no, look I think eye. I think we're learning more about him, yes. right? And I think it's always good when he, there's more interest from other teams. That makes you kind of feel like the, the need is being met there. Um, certainly, Joe Burrow and what the Bengals have been able to do and kind of turn their program around really the last several years that he's been a part of it. It's been... It has been impressive. 
I will say this. I think this is one of the more likely candidates to land here in Carolina just because of who else is out there and what appear to be more desirable options right. for candidates where I think he is more likely to come here. I also like that he's not only got a football background in in coaching, with dad, but yeah. with his dad as well. Like that is something we need here in Carolina is just football guys. He fits that bill. And even just like watch, I'm big on body language. You guys know that too. Like he just appears confident and, and the way he talks and how he delivers information. I think, I think that says something about somebody's presence and character and what they will bring into a locker room. Bengals had a down year, but they had a lot of injuries. Right. And despite that, he was still able to keep that offense afloat. So if the if anyone knows anything about keeping things afloat, Panthers a lot of injuries too. So it'd be good to have someone like that that can sort of keep the ship level if things fall apart like they did last year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, though, you want to see what his success would look like outside of Joe Burrow as well. But Joe Burrow, again, has dealt with injuries before, and still they were able, like you said, to keep it afloat. But this weekend, we also learned the team is inching closer to landing a general manager as well. According to multiple reports, the Panthers have completed a second round of interviews with three general manager candidates. Those include Giants assistant GM Brandon Brown, Eagles assistant GM Alec Hallaby, and Dan Morgan, who is currently in that role in Carolina. Morgan, a former Pro Bowl linebacker for the Panthers, has been with the team since 2021 and is considered as a strong candidate for the full-time job. And while the Panthers are preparing for next season, we know a handful of teams are still in the midst of their postseason dreams right now. Yeah, and some pretty good games to take in tonight. And that continued today up in Buffalo. The first playoff game Patrick Mahomes will play a in the postseason on the road. That's just wow. a crazy stat to me. This is also the first Travis Kelsey touchdown since week 11 against the Eagles. Throws up the heart and all to Miss Taylor Swift. Chiefs 11 at Kansas City with the lead. All right, end of the second, Bills answer. Josh Allen keeps it himself. Touchdown Bills, that put them up 17-13 at the half. We go to the third quarter, Kansas City first in goal, Mahomes to Kelsey again. His second touchdown of the night, Chiefs back on top 20-17. Later in the third, Josh Allen, he rushed for two scores and he threw for one and it was this one here to Khalil Shakir in the end zone. Patrick Mahomes though, 17-23 of for 215 yards and two touchdowns. And the Kansas City Chiefs, are headed back to the AFC Championship game for the sixth straight year with a 27-24 win over the Bills. Maybe that's why we're a little tired of the Chiefs. Anyway, we got Jared Goff going up against a guy we know well in Carolina. That's Baker Mayfield. We got the Lions and the Bucks earlier today. Second quarter, game tied at three. Goff going to find Josh Reynolds in the back of the end zone for a nine-yard touchdown. The Lions going to lead 10-3. Later in the second quarter, Baker Mayfield We've seen this before in Carolina. Throws down the sideline to who? Mike Evans, who makes the 29-yard gain on the very next play. It's going to be Cade Otten for the two-yard touchdown to finish that one off. we got a tied ball game at 10. And then later in the third quarter, Mayfield going to dump it off to Rashad White. And Rashad White sees an open lane, and he's going all the way in. 12-yard touchdown, game tied at 17. Lions going to find two more touchdowns, though, after this, and then this happens. Yeah, Mayfield throws it right into the hands of Derek Barnes for the INT. The Lions win this one. 31-23 is your final. Now let's go ahead and take a look back at the scores from yesterday's game as well. We got the Ravens really uh, took control after halftime with three straight touchdown drives. That ends C.J. Stroud's rookie season, 34-10 for the Houston Texans. Then you got the Packers. I mean, what a heartbreak for those fans. Jordan Love intercepted in the final 30 seconds of the game after missing a field goal, and they lose by three to the Niners. And so 
you kind of hate it, but you love the good games. You love uh, the competition and all of this. And certainly uh, the championship rounds are going to be fun to watch. Yeah, how about the ones and threes? Yeah. Or what, what, is, uh, what is set for next weekend? But uh, I think, you know, for Detroit, I think that's the story now. Like yeah. everybody was thinking, okay, Packers and then the Baker Mayfield. But that, uh, that story is definitely one to watch. But I think, I, I think they have a shot. I think that was – okay, can Detroit win the Super right. Bowl? I, I really do think they have a shot. Yeah, I think they've got – it's a team effort, right? I feel like you've got stars on every team, but that one just seems like the more well-rounded team. Also, though, there's something about the Ravens that I really love this year, and Lamar Jackson is just having one of the best seasons that he's had in a while. And I think people are starting to see that stardom power that he has in the NFL as a quarterback. Um, and I love that he's getting credit for that finally. I feel like he is this season. Well, you know how I feel about the Baltimore Ravens. I just I, I covered that team, and I think they are just electric to watch. And they're, and they're due. Like, this is a group that has has been together, you know, for a couple a couple years ago when I was covering them. It was – they thought – I think it was the 2020 year. They went into that, that year thinking they were going to win the Super Bowl and then their entire running back room gets gets taken out in the preseason they just they've had so many weapons they were out with Mark Andrews for a little bit too and they still found a way to get it done and just right. the changes they made to invest in Lamar Jackson and show I mean look he's having probably I mean MVP oh, yeah. caliber year so they're I think they're definitely my favorite to win it but these are going to be some really good yeah matches. and then if you're pulling for the 49ers of course you got CMC yeah. to pull for if you're pulling for Carolina the Chiefs ties. you're pulling for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey everybody's got a little bit of a storyline <laughs> if you want it to happen for these next games next weekend but listen we got good news it's only been two days since the Hornets last win uh, the bad news here, though, is it's only their ninth win of the season, and their next opponent hasn't lost much in comparison. We've got an update on Buzz City. That's next. And it's no secret former Carolina members are having a bounce back year. Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey, even offensive coordinator Joe Brady were revived this postseason. We'll discuss the controversy on that coming up next. And all eyes are on Lions OC Ben Johnson after that win over the Bucks today, their first NFC Championship game appearance in 32 years. That's crazy. We're going to dive deeper into why he could be a good fit here in Carolina. We got more Charlotte Sports Live coming right back. Back here on Charlotte Sports Live, Charlotte men's basketball finds themselves in sole possession of first place in the AAC after a win over North Texas on Saturday. The Niners took down the Mean Green 56-44 in front of 4,500 fans at Halton Arena. It was Charlotte's fifth straight win. The Kai Patterson led all scorers with 20 points, but the Niners defense was the star of the show, holding North Texas to a season-low 44 points, which is 24 points under their season average. As I say to them, what do I say? You guys never arrive. You never arrive, ever. You, you, that's what the greats do, right? They get obsessed with and they get scared, ultimately, um, to not fail. So that, that belief to, and, and that work ethic just to continue to grind away, I want them to be playing their best basketball at the right time and we can still improve a lot. Charlotte is back in action Tuesday against UAB at Halton Arena. The Niners are 8-1 and one at home this season. All right, let's move over to the NBA, to the NBA team here in Charlotte. We got the Hornets. They fall to 9-31 and 31 with their latest loss to the 76ers. Miles Bridges put up 25 points and moved into eighth all-time on the franchise's three-points made list. But it would not be outdone by Joel Embiid's 33 points and 10 rebounds last night. Buzz City will now try to rebound on the road against the Timberwolves, who are 
30 and 12. That's almost the opposite of what the Hornets record is right now and have only lost three games at home. Lamella Ball and Nick Richards are still day to day with their injuries. Minnesota going to be relatively healthy entering this game. We end up with a lineup up there that we're just trying to get three, four minutes out of. And, uh, you know, we went from, I think, what was it, like two up or three up to like 10 down, you know. But uh, everybody, everybody that played, played well, played hard. It'd be hard to find fault with an effort like that. Tip-off is at 8 tomorrow night in Minneapolis. All right, it's time for Quick 6, and we got a full house tonight. Mike Lissette back, and you know him best as the meteorologist Andrew Brightman, a Sunday regular. Let's put two minutes on the clocks, guys. And, uh, Andrew, what Panthers coach candidate are you least interested in? Well, that kind of helps narrow it down because, I mean, I was looking at all the coaching candidates they've interviewed. I need, felt like I needed a Rolodex here. Anyway, really, <laughs> it's the former head coaches that are defensive coordinators, Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris. I mean, first off, failed head coaches kind of been there, done that kind of thing and also when it comes to our most important job with Bryce Young really would like an um, up-and-coming OC to really help out with the most important job getting our quarterback ready to go. Absolutely. All right Mike, what can the Hornets do to somehow salvage this season? Well I don't think they can do anything to save the season but in order to at least feel like we're going in the right direction right. unfortunately I feel like someone's got to lose their job and I think everybody knows I'm either looking at the head coach or the general manager and Mitch Kupchak one of those two two things I think is going to happen this season, if not both. All right, Grace, who has had the better bounce back year since leaving Carolina? Is it Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey, or now the Bills interim offensive coordinator, Joe Brady? Okay, so that was kind of, Joe Brady's kind of in that interim role, so I don't know if you can do that on a whole, like, season right. to consider that. Christian McCaffrey was always good. It was just he was here in Carolina. Baker Mayfield came here to look for a bounce back year. Didn't get it, so I'm going to give it to Baker. All right, I like that reasoning. All right, Andrew, with just one game to go, who are your picks for this year's Super Bowl? I mean, I know this is kind of basic, but I think they're the two best teams. It's the Ravens and the 49ers. I mean, the Lions, their season, the blow run, that's cute. But I, overall, I think Aww. the 49ers are the best team. They've got the best coach. they got the best team. And then the flip side with Lamar again with the MVP. They've got it all coming together. I think those are the two teams we'll see in a few weeks. All right, Mike, you covered Michigan sports. What's the bigger deal, the Lions winning another playoff game or the Wolverines getting a national championship? Uh, the national championship was special <laughs> yeah. for the Wolverines, but it's clear, the Lions. I mean, this is a, a team that means so much to Detroit, and to see them winning now, it's exciting. All right, real quick, Grace, if you could go to one college <laughs> basketball game this week, men or women's, which one are you going to? Elon at Campbell. Elon at Campbell. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going. <laughs> you got to sell me on this. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to UNC. UNC Wake. I mean, obviously UNC's balling out, and Wake Forest. I think could. Uh, I just want to see how UNC plays them because they can make some noise. All right, I like it. Thanks so much, guys. You're not really looking to convince anybody. You're not looking for any validation. Frank Reich even said he feels you're one of the best 32 <laughs> quarterbacks in the world. How do you feel about? It? Do you feel you're one of the best 32 right now? Well, we asked him in September after his first and only start for the Panthers, and now the topic is coming up again. Next, we debate if Andy Dalton is still one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. And the Panthers coaching search continues. Ben Johnson, a hot name this offseason, and tonight we're taking a deeper look at one of the league's most sought-after candidates. That's coming up next here on Charlotte Sports Live. Back here on Charlotte Sports Live. Charlotte women also atop the AAC. The Niners at Temple today. That's Tracy Houston with the lay-in. She finished with 12 points today for Charlotte. Imani Smith, she had 10. She knocked down a long two. Niners were down six at the half. 
about Deja Lawrence? She's having one heck of a season. She led all scores with 16 points. Here she is in transition. Yeah, one move. That's easy for her. Charlotte just could knock down enough shots today, though. Just 16 of 44 from the field. And the Niners fall today in Philly, 73-68 to Temple. That's a tough one. How about a top 25 matchup between Louisville and UNC, though? Early in the game, Renaya Kelly goes outside to Lexi Donarski, who drains the triple. And then how about a little defense? Mariah Gostang with the block and the rebound. They're going to go all the way to the other end of this one. They don't want to let it go to waste. And Alyssa Uthby with the layup to go up by three. Going to move now to the fourth quarter. And it's Renaya Kelly adds a three here. Tar Heels go up by 12. And UNC with a big win over the Cards, 79-63, to your final from Chapel Hill. All right, Duke coming off a big win at home over 14th-ranked Virginia Tech. They were at 4th-ranked NC State today. Blue Devils with their only lead of the game in the first quarter, but it was short-lived. Mimi Collins gets the rebound and the putback. She finished with a 16-10 double-double for State. Turnovers were a problem for both teams today. Duke forces one there, and it's Charlotte native Reagan Richardson who scores it at the other end. Yeah, count that one, too. Richardson with 11 points today for the Blue Devils. No one had a better day than Isaiah James. In fact, a career day for her with 33 points and 8 rebounds. State converts 19 Duke turnovers for 24 points in this one, and they take it 72-57 to to improve to a perfect 10-0 at home. Now back to the Panthers head coaching search. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is not done coaching in Detroit just yet. We know he still has an NFC South or NFC championship game to play next week. But we can't forget he is a man with deep Carolina ties. Gabe McDonald has his coaching profile for us tonight. If it seems like deja vu, well, that's because it is. Ben Johnson is once again a hot name around the NFL as he continues to ascend as an offensive coordinator. Johnson's fifth season with the Lions and second as OC saw the offense and team reach new heights. Detroit won 12 games in a season for the first time since 1991 behind one of the most dynamic and creative offenses in the NFL. Love that you go back to the big man in that situation. Unique route concepts along with pre-snap shifts and motions to set up the run and play action game is what the former Tar Heel hangs his hat on. And the proof is in the numbers. Detroit improved in each of the main offensive categories from 2022 to 2023. Johnson helped Amon Ross St. Brown and rookie Sam Laporta reach all-pro status this year. Most importantly, Jared Goff was able to revive his career the past two seasons with Johnson calling the shots. Easy throw down the field for Goff. So it's not a matter of if, but when Johnson will get a chance to lead a team in the league. It helps to have a strong endorsement from the man who gave him his first chance to run an offense in the NFL. I think a ton of Ben. I think he's... Uh... I, I've said it before, I just think he's extremely bright, he's, he's creative, he's organized, he's a great communicator. I mean, he, he, uh, he just, he's, he's got it, and, uh, and I would do anything I can to help him. That's the bottom line. Of course I don't want to lose him, but, but I'm not going to hold him back either. I would help him any way I can help him. The general consensus is that the Panthers want to pair a young offensive mind with franchise quarterback Bryce Young. Given his meteoric rise, Johnson certainly fits the bill. So we know the question is not if the Panthers are interested in Johnson. Yeah. It's if Johnson is interested in the Carolina Panthers. And the longer that he goes into this playoff run, which he's almost made it all the way, the hotter the name is going to be all across the league to get this guy as his ne their next head coach. Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, I think the chances of him coming here to Carolina are slim to none. Just given that he is the hot name in the market this year and there's going to be a lot of teams that, that want him, especially with how much uh, success Detroit has had this season. One thing I found interesting, though, is that NFL Network's Tom Pelissero had said that 
there's a possibility that the O-line coach over at Detroit could follow mm -hmm. him wherever he goes too. And with the O-line situation here in Carolina, you wonder if that's maybe a tag team deal. I don't know. I, if I'm the Panthers, I'm doing everything to get yeah. to get this guy here. I know he's got ties to Boston College. Luke Keekley, if you're in the building, call yeah. your guy. Was, I don't know if they were there at the same time, but anything because I think this is – well, I think you, we mentioned that he's a culture guy. You can kind of see that, right, just the way the Detroit Lions are run. Um, but you look at the Carolina Panthers, and there is a maybe a clean slate to, to bring that culture to. If you're going to another franchise yeah. that maybe has a stronger culture, maybe he wants to, to bring his own – like philosophy of coaching, his own philosophy for how guys should be. And he's obviously, you know, elevated a lot of guys that were counted out already. Jared Goff, Amon Ra, St. Brown, yeah. all of those guys. Maybe he could do the same thing. Well, I like here. that he bet on himself too. Like he, he was yeah. a high candidate last season and he said, no, I'm going to stick it out here another year and it paid off for him. Yep. All right, well, many Panthers or many consider Panthers quarterback Andy Dalton a strong candidate to be an NFL starter still despite sitting behind Bryce Young all season. There's still talk among the national media that Dalton could be a difference maker for Carolina if he's ever put back into that QB1 role. The Red Rifle threw passes in just one game this season. That would be the week three loss to Seattle in which Bryce Young set out due to an ankle injury. Dalton had 361 passing yards and two touchdowns in that 37-27 loss. While he mainly played the role of mentor, Dalton told us earlier in the season that he can still be that guy. You know, I do. I, I do still think uh, I, I'm a starter in this league. Obviously, it's not the position I'm in right now. Um, but, you know, for me, I just at this point, I'm just going out there and trying to enjoy the moment. Okay, so what sparked this for me is I remember him telling us that when when we interviewed him when they right. they're going to play in week three. But then you heard this weekend on game day, Kurt Warner say that he believes that Andy Dalton is still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And you know how my brain works. Yeah. I'm just like, then why isn't he playing for the Carolina Panthers? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it just depended on what the goals were for the Carolina Panthers this season. Obviously, it was to get more reps for Bryce Young because they see him, you know, they traded so sure. much to get him. And, and I know we've talked about this at nauseam, but you trade somebody uh, to go number one in the NFL draft. You want to get them out on the field. But I do think that there is an argument that maybe he could have learned a little bit um, behind Andy Dalton, at least initially in the season, kind of feel yeah. out the season, the situation, if things weren't going well, then you let Bryce step in and get those reps that you wanted him to get, um, but also just sitting back and learning. Because the, the thing that – the reason that Kurt Warner thinks that is because Andy Dalton is a veteran that's been in the league. You yeah. just watch how he works, and he's very settled um, in really all of his movements, very calculated um, and even keel. Yeah, and my my biggest pet peeve with, with this is, like, I understand you gave up a lot for Bryce, and you, you need him – you literally need him to work out with what you gave up for him. But it, to me, it felt like they forfeited winning games right. over his development, which I get the development. But when you still, you're in week three, you're in week four, and you still have a chance to win games, that should always be the priority. And I think it was, it feels like it was a thought like, oh, well, well, we can't. That makes us look stupid if we don't have our first overall pick that we just gave up all that for. And it's like, well, you look even more stupid now that you're not putting the guys in the best position and the guys that give you the best chance to go out and win. I don't care yeah. what the situation is. Yeah, I mean, in sports, it's all about winning. Winning cures all. We say that all the time. Um, it's certainly an argument for that. Yeah. All right, well, our look at the Panthers' many coaching candidates continues next with someone who made a strong statement this weekend in the divisional round playoffs. Well, some great Panthers news earlier this week. Good things come to those who wait and 
to those who hit hard as well. After missing out on the initial cut for the Pro Bowl, Panthers defensive tackle Derek Brown is indeed going. He was named as a replacement for the injured Ram star Aaron Donald. This will be Brown's first Pro Bowl appearance, and he is the lone Panther to make the event. The 25-year-old is coming off a historic year in which he set a league record for most tackles at his position with 103 festivities for the Pro Bowl begin Thursday, February 1st. The actual game just three days later on Sunday, February 4th. And we've got another 30 minutes of Charlotte Sports Live coming your way right now. Thanks for staying up with us. I'm Carla Gebhardt alongside Mike Lissette. And Mike, this might really be the week that we see a lot of movement when it comes to the Panthers and that coaching search. It, it could be time, and that is because teams will be allowed to begin in-person interviews starting tomorrow. Carolina, as of course we know, has interviewed 11 candidates virtually so far, the latest being Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson Friday. Today, though, we learned that Carolina will bring in some people for round two, and this time it's going to be in person. The NFL Network's Tom Pelissero says current Panthers defensive coordinator Ijero Avero is up first tomorrow. Avero is also getting a second interview with the Seahawks and the Falcons. Pelissero also reports the Bengals that their offensive coordinator Brian Callahan will get a second interview with Carolina sometime this week. Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald interviewed with Carolina 10 days ago. If you watched Baltimore's win yesterday, you know he's worthy of a head coaching job. Let's check in with Grace Drill for more on him. Yeah, that Ravens defense was pretty nasty on Saturday, holding the Texans to just 10 points and no offensive touchdowns. Mike McDonald deserves a lot of credit for their season, for their success this season, and that's why Carolina is giving him a closer look in their head coaching search. If you're a dog, be a dog. <laughs> Carolina needs some dogs, and that guy could be one of them. As the Panthers have interviewed Ravens second-year defensive coordinator Mike McDonald for their vacant head coaching position. They've also interviewed Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. The organization and the team has helped us, you know, put us in these types of situations all these coaches, I think now you, you understand what type of talented people that we have. Let's go, let's go! McDonald has spent the majority of his coaching career with the Baltimore Ravens, joining the organization as an intern back in 2014, and over the next decade would rise through the ranks serving as a defensive assistant, a DB and linebackers coach, before eventually working his way up to defensive coordinator. It's a great experience for those guys. I'm really happy for them, really proud of them. Um, I think you go in there and you be yourself, present who you are. Just looking at the numbers, they present McDonald very well. As the Ravens were the sixth best defense in the league through the regular season this year. It was also a defense that led the league in sacks despite being outside of the top 15 in blitz and pressure percentage. Something Carolina might be interested in after being a top five defense this season, but ranked dead last with getting to the quarterback. Mike Purdue. Pretty smart, man. One of the best defense coordinators I done had for a young one in a long time. Uh, the way he moves his guys around, like you say, not disguising and teach them how to show one thing and move something else or break, make it look like here we come from here. It's so different. It's crazy. And I'm loving it. I was like, bro, keep bringing whatever you're doing. <laughs> whatever the plays you call it, it's, it's working. So McDonald can clearly lead a defense, but can he lead a whole team? He's got a great plan in place every week, and uh, he's open to criticism for sure uh, from us. You know, when we're being a little, little uh, sensitive and bratty about stuff, and, but he hears us when we're talking to him, and I think that's a great quality to have. 
Okay, so I, I think this is a slam dunk hire, especially for teams that are looking for, for somebody on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. You, you got rookies in there or two-year guys and 10-year guys talking about how great they think his scheme is. For me, I don't know that this fits with the Carolina Panthers. I think right. it'll all depend on what happens with Adriel Vero. Yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously a good culture hire again Absolutely. coming from the Ravens yeah. organization where they're very well ran. Um, but, yeah, I don't know either. I, and, and not to Averro's discredit either, but I still don't know how how much are the Panthers sold in on hiring a defensive coordinator as a head coach because I know it's different because there, you know, there's other conversations, maybe a, a bigger net to cast out this time yeah. around. But last time around we heard so much it was about the offense and getting a guy that was younger and more exciting. Vero did it with bubble gum and tape this past <laughs> year. Uh, do you think that McDonald is capable of having that same effect? Because he's got a great group of guys over there. I'm not sure at the moment he'd have that here in Carolina. I don't think you bring in a McDonald if Vero is still on staff. Because obviously you're not bringing this guy in to be right. your defensive coordinator. He's not leaving the Ravens to take the defensive yeah. coordinator job at Carolina. But if you're going to bring him in, if Averro, say Averro's gone and you're going to bring a defensive guy, I don't. I know everybody's focused on the offense, but your defense is, is your strong suit right. right now. So I don't think that, that necessarily hurts you. Mm. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's a slam. No, no. But I'm I, still I get focused on the bubblegum no, no, yeah, part no, was, of this I was, conversation. I, mean, I don't think. I don't think people would be excited about it. I think. Yeah. I think they. I think people want offense. I really do. I mean, maybe. Oh, maybe I. I just at this point, I just do. You not just want someone that's going to win. You either know yeah. football, or you, you don't. Yeah. And this guy, I, I think you got to focus on, uh, on what your strong suit is now. Then you bring in. You, then you bring in a stellar OC. Right. Yeah. Well, this week, more Panther news. We also learned the team is inching closer to landing a general manager. According to multiple reports, the Panthers have completed second-round interviews with three GM candidates, talking Giants assistant general manager Brandon Brown, Eagles assistant GM Alec Hallaby, and Dan Morgan, who currently is in that role in Carolina. Morgan, a former Pro Bowl linebacker for the Panthers, has been with the team since 2001 and is considered a strong candidate for the full-time job. Well, this Combine Academy kid has been on the national radar since middle school. Straight ahead, we'll show you how Seton Hall commit Yassine Felton stayed humble on his way to the big time. Looking forward to that, but first, a scary moment today. Following Ohio State's upset win over number two Iowa, as fans rushed the court to celebrate. One of them collided with a reigning National Player of the Year in Caitlin Clark. As she was running to the oh. locker room, Clark fell to the ground and was attended to by teammates. She told reporters after the game that she had the win knocked out of her. That's good news. Clark has 45 points in the loss. we got more good news coming up on the other side of Charlotte Sports Live. We'll be right back. So-called sneakerheads in Charlotte were able to check out a slice of heaven today. For the first time ever, a traveling company called Sneaker Culture is holding an event in Charlotte. Think of it like a Comic-Con for shoes. It's been now going on for five years with places or stops in places like Chicago, Indianapolis, and Louisville. Fans tell us that they are excited that events like this are popping up here in Charlotte. I'm originally from Miami, so we used to go down to sneaker cons all the time down there. And since we moved to the area, there hasn't been much sneaker conventions up here. So since we moved up, we've been looking for some, and this one popped on our radar. 
The event did finish up earlier this afternoon, and there are plans for it to return later this summer. Now, Breaking news, the guy just told me. I that, was going to, so. yeah, it said something else, but he knows the news because you actually went. It was a the, good event. I enjoyed yeah. it. Only you, Mike. All right, well, one of the great things about Charlotte is that there never seems to be a lack of up-and-coming talent from this area, right? Yeah, a future Duke star, Isaiah Evans, gets a lot of headlines, but... He is not the only Queen City kid headed to a Division I school. In fact, there's a kid in Lincolnton who is about at the big time as well. The first time Michael Felton saw his son play basketball, he admits he was a bit underwhelmed. He came out there on the floor. He was in the middle of the floor, and he was like, there's in the headlight. Jasim Felton was just four years old. Michael thought he was scared. Turns out the kid had just fallen in love like a fan watching back and forth. Flash forward 14 years later and Jasim still has that same passion. Except now, others are in awe watching him. I'm a um, big point guard that could get my team involved, but I, I, it also can um, get to the rim. From the time he was in eighth grade, Jasim, now a 6'5 guard for Combine Academy in Lincolnton, has found himself in the spotlight. At one point, he was tops in his class nationally. Now he's ranked top 10 in the state and already committed to play for Seton Hall. It, it's been a great journey. What I love about Jasim, and I asked him when he was younger, I don't care if I did 12 hours, I'm gonna get off the couch if you wanna get in the gym. That happened a lot, and still Jasim has kept a 3.7 GPA. Amazingly, he's always had his eyes on the prize. Jasim says success hasn't changed him, because ultimately, he still hasn't gotten what he wants. That's my biggest dream. Be an NBA player, be a superstar in the NBA, and being able to take care of my family. You better believe Dad is proud. After all, unlike his first day on the court, Yassim isn't standing around. Today, he's making things happen. And Yassim actually has basketball in his blood. He just recently learned he's a distant cousin of a former Tar Heel and Charlotte Bobcat, Raymond Felton. Well, here's something to look forward to this week. The ACC will reveal its 2024 football schedule on Wednesday for all 17 teams. The league will continue to play without divisions, but does add new members, Cal, SMU, and Stanford to the rotation. That so is, it's going to take a while to get used to that. And just like the past season, the top two teams at the end of the season will compete in the ACC football championship game here at Bank of America Stadium. Well, it's hard to believe, but Charlotte FC is already back on the field. They're getting ready for the up-and-coming season. You can hear what the guys think of their new head coach just ahead. Well, in case you missed it, Friday night was the NASCAR Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Uptown. Drivers Jimmy Johnson and Donnie Allison were enshrined along with Johnson's longtime crew chief, Chad Canals. Johnson. Johnson, though, uh, through the, the crown jewel of the event, uh, he won seven Cup Series championships in 19 seasons. That ties him with Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. What an experience in so many, shared so many Hall of Fame, current uh, Hall of Fame members said that the moment's going to get real. I think it just happened. Um, this, this is incredible. This is the highest honor to stand alongside our sports greats in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It's been a dream, a dream come true to race in NASCAR. Also honored Friday was Janet Guthrie, who won the landmark award for outstanding contributions to the growth and esteem of NASCAR. And Jimmy Johnson is obviously still an inspiration for both current and up and coming drivers. One of those beating Raja Karuth, who Gabe McDonald caught up with on Friday night on the red carpet. Take a listen. 
joined by Raja Kuth. Obviously, Raja, we know you're a huge Jimmy Johnson fan. Just being here tonight, seeing you know one of your idols going to the Hall of Fame, how inspiring is this night for you? Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, I did not think it would be this because I literally sent a text like a couple weeks ago, like, "Yo, can I come see this?" Because that's that's my guy. So, um, man, it's it's awesome to to see him get enshrined here along with Jack Knauss, um, because Jimmy's someone as an athlete, as a sportsman, as a family man that I really try to build myself to, to mirror as I've gone into my craft. So to be here for this night is really special and uh, I'm excited. When you look at just his craft and what he was able to do growing up, what are some of the main things about you know his game and his approach to everything that really inspired you and that you take from his game that you want to incorporate into what you're doing right now? Yeah, really, you know, obviously he was an extremely successful race car driver, right? But you don't win all the time and even though he had a lot of success, he was also gracious in the feet. And so um, there's very few times where he had, you know, moments and beef and stuff like that. So uh, just really how he carried himself on and off the racetrack is one of the things that has always uh, stuck out to me. Season getting started here in about a month. Just take me through the off season and just kind of what everything has been like for you, obviously getting ready to hit the track uh, again in the month. Yeah, it's been a personally a really good off season for me um, from developing as a driver, as a man, and some great personal changes. Uh, I just feel like I'm in a really best spot um, to go compete full-time and, and race for a championship this year. You mentioned being full-time now. How have you truly seen yourself grow, and what's that transition going to be like for you going full-time? Well, it's, it's crazy, right, because you're, you're racing for your paycheck, your livelihood, um, and at the same time, you're putting food on the, the plates of, of your families. And so um, knowing that's a responsibility and not to take it lightly, and just how obsessed and committed you have to be. So that's been a, a change for me. Um, because it's gone from just a passion to, like, this needs to be an obsession and, honestly, a necessity. So it's been awesome. I'm Jack Carruth. Appreciate your time, man. Yes, sir. Enjoy the night, brother. Thank you. All right, thank you very much, Gabe. To the pitch, Charlotte FC is officially in preseason mode with the regular season now just five weeks away. Squad getting in game shape right now down in sunny South Florida. Team just finished up week one from preseason camp in Miami. After another week in South Beach, they'll head to California for a 15-day stint at the Coachella Valley Invitational. It's good work when you can find it. Anyhow, this is the time for the guys to get acquainted with their new manager, Dean Smith. So far, Captain Ashley Westwood likes what he sees from his new boss. It's uh, it's been three days. Feels like three weeks, but it's been in, it's been uh, it's been incredible. He's he uh, I knew what to expect, and he's he's lived up to it and more. He's he's uh, he's a great human being. He knows his stuff, and like I said, he's he's, he's been around everywhere. And it's uh, I'm really really looking forward to it. I, I am. I'm really looking forward. To it. I think the lads are as well. It's been a good start. I thought the camera added 10 pounds, but that, <laughs> that actually took weight away. I know. All right, well, our QC crowns are coming up next, and Ford's Mustang Dark Horse is definitely worthy of one. The manufacturer showed off its new ride at its 2024 season launch at the Fillmore. Ford is looking to win its third straight manufacturer's championship in the NASCAR Cup Series. We've got more crown-worthy moments just ahead. It is something we've been waiting months for, and now we're down to Rui Hachimura's number. Just 28 <laughs> days until the Daytona 500. You had to look that up, by I the way. I know, Curtis Martin as well. Charlotte Sports Lab will be down there all speed week, getting you ready for the kickoff of the 2024 NASCAR season. The Daytona 500, 28 days away. That's Ronaldo's number, and you can catch it <laughs> right here on uh, Charlotte Sports Lab. Time now for QC Crowns. 
Carly, you're up first. All righty, mine goes to Nick Dunlap. This is amazing. He's just a sophomore at Alabama. That's not why he's getting the crown, but he is the first amateur golfer to win a PGA event in 33 years, Mike. He won the American Express earlier today. The last amateur to win on tour no. was Phil Mickelson wow. back in 1991. Uh, just amazing uh, the numbers that he put up today. I was shocked. I looked. I was looking ahead there on the prompter. I, yeah. I was expecting to see Tiger Woods, but Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson. It's wow. been a long time. All right. Uh, my crown is going out to now the new all-time wins leader in college basketball. It's Stanford's women's head coach, Tara Vanderveer, and today she officially went past Mike Krzyzewski as the Cardinals took down Oregon State 65-56. For Vanderveer, this was win number 1,203. When the clock hit zero, the fans at Stanford were chanting, Tara, Tara, Tara. This was definitely a cool moment and one for history as well. Oh, I loved her post-game interview. I'm not sure if you saw it, but just uh, her appreciation, I think, for the athletes that she's been able to coach, her time there at Stanford, just uh, an amazing coach. What really makes that impressive is you think of the way that, that, that coaching has changed and all the different kids that she's gone through, and yet she still found a way to win. Gotta love it. All right, that's going to do it for Mike, Grace, and myself. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.